ಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾಡೋರಮರ್ದನ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ದೇರ್ ಈಸ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಸೆಡ್ ಫಾರ್ ಹ್ಯಾವಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ಪರ್ಸನ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸಸ್ ಐ ಥಿಂಕ್ ಗುಡ್ ಟು ಸೇವ್ ಯು ಆಲ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಹಿಯರ್ um so in this class we study the bhagavad gita we have been doing it online and believe me i've got endless uh, grumbling and complaints from people who were following this online they wanted to stay online or at least hybrid but i thought we should go back to the um in person class and hybrid i am not comfortable ent- entirely with that because i find the attention at least the attention of the speaker gets sort of divided um but anyway this is being recorded so the the at least the audio recording will be uploaded we study the bhagavad gita in this class and we were on chapter 9 chapter 9 of the bhagavad gita we know the bhagavad gita has um 18 chapters one way of structuring our understanding of the bhagavad gita is that you can divide it into three groups of six chapters each chapters 1 to 6 then from 7 to 12 and then from 13 to 18 what would be the basis of this um one way of um, uh, of understanding this is in advaita vedanta the the ultimate teaching the point of it all is tattvamasi you are that there's an ultimate reality we are that and the point is to realize that so that is the ultimate reality you are the individual and the identity of the two so one way of understanding this would be that the first six chapters are about our real nature who we are who we are um, who am i that investigation the atman the self the real self the second um, group of six chapters is about that god the reality of this universe the, the power behind this cosmos brahman so literally the word brahman means the vast and then the last six chapters from 13 to 18 would be the identity of the two in what sense are we individual sentient beings and god the power behind this universe in what sense are we identical and you know that's how that's the whole subject matter of vedanta um one of the greatest non dualists madhusudan saraswati who lived about 500 years ago he is the one who did this division or at least he is one of the main proponents of this way of looking at the bhagavad gita that the bhagavad gita the essential teaching is you are that tattvamasi and which is not a surprise because he is a non-dualist and the non-dualist would always say that you are that you are that ultimate reality and he also says that the 18 chapters should be understood in this way broadly speaking first six chapters chapters about who am i the next six chapters are about god by which i mean the god of religion god whom we believe in worship have faith in and the last six chapters deal with broadly again the identity between the two 
And of course, anybody who's read the Bhagavad Gita knows that this picture, even if it is true, is, uh, uh, is a broad picture. I mean, in each of these chapters, there's lots of other things. In the first six chapters, there are a lot of things besides who am I. In the next six chapters, in which we are now, the ninth chapter, there are a lot of things besides, just besides God. And so too, in the final six chapters, there's a lot, um, and not just the identity of uh, Jiva and Brahman, the sentient beings and the ultimate reality, but still, big picture, it's a, it's a nice way, interesting way of looking at the Bhagavad Gita. Madhusudan Saraswati is a big name in Advaita Vedanta, non-dual Vedanta, one of the greatest of post-Shankara Advaitins. Shankaracharya, uh, who lived about 1400 years ago, so about 900 or 1000 years after him comes Madhusudan Saraswati. And he is the one who wrote probably the toughest book, uh, the most the book full of the most intricate, and somebody said a brain fryer of a book, Advaita Siddhi, the establishment of non-duality. Basically, he was responding to uh, attacks on um, Advaita Vedanta, non-dual Vedanta, by dualists, by other, other schools of Vedanta. I'll tell you a story about him, which is pertinent to what we are going to study today, and then we'll go into it. So it goes like this. It's a cautionary tale about Advaita Vedanta. You know, I always plug non-dual Vedanta a lot. So, it also goes with buyer beware. What's the Latin phrase for it? Um, um, there, is, there is the buyer beware. Caveat emptor. Caveat emptor, yes. So, with non-dual Vedanta, very powerful, but also very dangerous. Why? One, one reason of the many warnings, one warning is co contained in this story. Um, so Madhusudan Saraswati was, it's a story among, I've heard it from monks uh, in Uttarakhand. So Madhusudan Saraswati was writing his magnum opus, the Advaita Siddhi, the establishment of non-duality, refuting the refutations of non-duality. So, counter-attacking the attacks on non-duality and engaged in this tremendous exercise, logical exercise. So one day he's sitting and writing and then this wandering monk comes up to him. He is dusty and wearing only a loincloth and uh, comes and sits in front of Madhusudan Saraswati without an invitation. Madhusudan Saraswati is a little annoyed, of course, taken, who is this, uh, you know, drifter? Americans would call him a bum. <laughs> so who is this guy? That monk looks at Madhusudan Saraswati and he says, Well, Master Madhusudan Saraswati, you, um, you know that you are Brahman. Says, yes, that's what I'm teaching. I am existence consciousness place. And you are refuting those who don't understand this. Yes, that's what the book is about. But suppose somebody comes and refutes all your arguments. You know, it could happen. Somebody more intelligent than you, more well-versed in, in the Vedanta than you, comes and refutes all your arguments. Would you be unhappy? And uh, Madhusudan Saraswati said, honestly, yes, a little. I would, you know, I would, I would feel it. I would feel the pinch of losing a debate. And suppose you manage to defeat this challenger. Would you be happy? 
And Madhusudan Saraswati said, yeah, I would feel happy. A certain glow of you know, victory. Then fie on your knowledge of Brahman, Madhusudan Saraswati. Your knowledge of Brahman is not complete yet. Your, your realization is not complete. Well, what should I do? Says Madhusudan Saraswati. The, this monk says, you should go into retreat and repeat the name of Krishna. Repeat the Krishna mantra, repeat it. And this many number of times, which is thousands and thousands. And there's a particular Krishna mantra, which... Uh, anyway, that's beside the point. So then he goes, Bansusan Saraswati goes into retreat and repeats the mantra. And he says, you have to do it until you get the vision of Krishna. So he does it over days and weeks and months, all day long, till late into the uh, evening and so on, thousands and thousands of times. And nothing happens. He doesn't get uh, any vision of Krishna. So he's feeling disappointed and he's thinking, I am a non-dualist. The, the Sadhu put it very nicely in Hindi. I am a non-dualist. What is this trap I've fallen into? Krishna and repeating a Krishna mantra. and Why did I even listen to that guy? So this is a problem with non-dualists, you know. The problem is, they can't do spiritual practice. The moment you start doing some spiritual practice, the first thing which happens is, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult to focus. It's difficult to hold on to something. And if you are a non-dualist, an Advaitin, the first thing that will come to your mind is, why am I doing all this? After all, I know that I am Brahman. What am I going to gain? I'm not going to get anything more than what I already am. So, I also know these practices are an appearance. They are part of Maya. They are false. And what I will get if I don't have something and I get something by these practices, that also will be part of Maya. That will also be an appearance. And the reality is Brahman and I am that Brahman already. So why am I doing all this? That's why non-dualists are not particularly good at spiritual practice. Warning. Caution. <laughs> it, it happens. A non-dualist will start maybe a little bit of a puja and then say, what am I doing? Why? Or maybe starts um, trying to um, do pranayama and meditation, focus the mind. It's very difficult, the mind is restless. But why? The focused mind and the non-focused mind, both are Brahman anyway. I am the one consciousness in which the mind is unfocused, and on the same consciousness the mind is focused. Oh, give it up. What's the point of it anyway? In any case, I'm Brahman. Trap. Uh, deadly trap. Luckily, Madhusan Saraswati, he had... Um, a helper. The same monk turns up. It's a longer story than this, but I'm going to shorten it. I'm adapting it. I'm sure the story has been adapted and readapted in telling and retelling over the centuries. So the, the monk, the same uh, wandering monk turns up again. How is it going, Master Bandhusudan Saraswati? So not good at all. I was thinking, I'm doing it, but I'm not getting any result. And then this monk said, do it once more. And then Madhusudan Saraswati does it once more. And he gets the vision of Krishna. And then he goes back and completes Advaita Siddhi. But he also writes this beautiful book on the devotion to God. Bhakti Rasayanam. This is one of the... It's interesting. I mean, I remember a few years back, we were studying Madhusudan Saraswati's commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Um, this was at the Harvard Divinity School. 
And one issue of scholarly uh, debate was, why would a non-dualist like Madhusudan Saraswati write books on bhakti? And why so much mes- you know, references to bhakti in the Gita, commentary on the Bhagavad Gita? So the story connects this, you know. That's why he had a vision of God, of Krishna. And then he wrote the Bhakti Rasayanam. And then he wrote the commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. It's the most comprehensive commentary on Bhagavad Gita and has, of course, he's, not, he's a non-dualist, so it is thoroughly non-dualist, but plenty of references to Krishna, plenty of references to devotion, plenty of references to meditation and practice of meditation. The Yoga Sutras are very much present there in that commentary. In that uh, commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, Madhusudan Saraswati says that he says, If the yogis want to meditate upon pure consciousness and remain immersed in the radiance in their hearts, let them do so. But what I want, what my eyes want, is a vision of that little blue boy playing on the bank of the Yamuna. Krishna, the baby Krishna, he means. So that kind of devotion was there. Anyway, so Madhusudan Saraswati, um, he wrote a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. Cautionary tale about spiritual practice. Why did I say that? Because the portion of the ninth chapter which we were doing, being in the second six chapters, chapters 7 to 12, it's about God. Being about God, it's about devotion and devotional practices. So the devotional practices are being mentioned here. Why you need to do devotional practices and what are those devotional practices? What kind of practitioner does one have to be? All these things are mentioned there. So we have done this, but it's worth recapitulating. From 11th verse onwards, chapter 9, verse number 11 onwards, we have done 11, 12, and we have touched upon 13 in the last, but there's been a long gap in between. So I'm going to quickly recapitulate those. What's the subject? God, belief in God, faith in God, devotion, devotional practices. The practitioner and the practices. That's, that's the subject. 11th verse. Those who have got the Gita, you can repeat after me. Avajananti maam mudha Avajananti maam mudha Manushim tanumashritam Manushim tanumashritam Param bhavam ajananto Param bhavam ajananto Mama bhuta maheshwaram Mama Bhuta Maheshwaram. The ignorant, this is translation. The ignorant deride me who have taken a human form, not knowing my higher nature as the great Lord of beings. What's he saying here? The ignorant who do not know who I am. So they think I'm this, this person, Krishna. Just this guy, you know, your driver driving the chariot of Arjuna. They do not see me as avatar, incarnation of God. That I am actually God incarnated. They don't know me. Not knowing me, they they deride me. They think that he's just this person. Uh, oh, why should we learn anything? He's just like us. Those who uh, do not know me in, in reality, they love me. Some of them might like me. Some of them might dislike me. Those who uh, like me, they think he's a nice guy. Is Krishna. He's a nice person. Those who dislike me, they hate me. They do not know who I am in, in reality. Who am I in reality? Bhuta Maheshwara. Maheshwara, Lord, God, the Lord of the universe. 
of Bhuta. Bhuta, there are two meanings of this. One meaning is all sentient beings. We are called Bhuta. The Lord of all living beings, all sentient beings. So I'm Vivekananda said, the sum total of all souls, this is the only God that I know and worship. So the Lord of all, all living beings. Another meaning of Bhuta is the five elements out of which this universe is created. Bhuta Maheshwaram is the Lord of the material universe. So two things, sentient beings and this insentient universe. In, in Sanskrit, uh, Jada and Chetana. This insentient universe, this physical universe which we inhabit and beings like us, all sentient beings. Above them all is God. So this is the triangle in any religion, any theistic religion. God, world and sentient beings. In Sanskrit, Ishwara, Jagat, Jiva. Jiva, Jagat, Ishwara, a triangle. Sentient beings like us, the physical universe and a God. You might say, not so fast Swami. We exist, we know. And the physical universe is there, we know. We can see it. We can experience it. But the God, uh, I'm not so sure of. That's right. So the God of, of religion is something that we believe, we take on faith, at least to begin with. We, we, we start with faith. So this is Bhuta Maheshwaram. Upanishad, the Taittiri Upanishad says, Tasmadva etasmad atmana akasha sambhuta From this Atman, this Satchidananda, space emerges. Akashad vayu, from space comes air. Vayu agni, from air comes fi fire. Um, Agnir apaha, from fire comes water. Adbhya prithivi, from water comes this earth. So, so the ancient cosmology of the five uh, elements, they are called bhuta. Uh, space, uh, akasha. Uh, air, vayu. Agni, fire. Apaha, or jala, is water. And prithivi, is uh, is earth the five co the uh, principal elements out of which this entire physical universe is supposed to have been made um, so that's it all comes from god from from the atman or brahman i'm the lord of this universe but they don't know me ajananto they do not not knowing me people of this world they do not know me notice not knowing is agyana Ignorance. See, this is a Vedanta hidden here also. This uh, underneath the surface is as if we are talking about God, but underneath we do not know the reality. That is ajananta, not knowing. And then what is the result? Mura, deluded, foolish. In Vedantic terms, the terms would be agyana and adhyasa, not knowing the rope. That is ignorance of the rope. But imagining the rope to be a snake, mistaking the rope to be a snake. Not even imagining. Nobody is deliberately imagining the rope to be a snake. You know the classic rope snake example. Nobody is deliberately trying to think of the rope as a snake. We don't know the rope. We automatically make a mistake. We think it's the snake. Similarly, we don't know the ultimate reality. We think it's the world. So here, it's there in this verse also. Ajananta, not knowing my real nature. And then the result is Muraha, deluded. And what do they do? Avajananti. They... Uh, there is a word in Sanskrit, many Indian languages, avagya, disregard me. Um, they look down upon me or they do not see the glory of, of God in the incarnation. Because manushim tanum ashritam, because I am um, with a human form. So because I am with a human form, all other human beings think he is a man like us, a human being like us. Not having faith in God, what happens? The next verse. We have all done all this. I'm rushing through it a little bit. Twelfth verse. 
मोघाशा मोघकर्माणो मोघाशा मोघकर्माणो मोघज्ञानाचेतस मोघज्ञानाचेतस राक्षसी आसुरी चक्षसी आसुरी चकृति मोहिनी श्रिता प्रकृति मो of vain hopes of vain efforts of vain knowledge thoughtless and taking to the deceptive and demonic and fiendish nature they deride me all right a harsh verse what happens to such people mogasha they have vain hopes why vain hopes people who are not spiritual are by definition by default by default worldly so for worldly people the hope is in the world what's going to fulfill me money relationships power facebook popularity yeah. uh, something in the world this world or virtual world that's going to make me happy and i have evidence for that also because uh, it does make me happy once in a while little bit at least it does make me happy and the whole world is rushing towards that if you examine it then the real um, thing comes out you know that how long does it make us happy how whom has it made completely deeply happy one person nobody nobody ever and yet everybody is rushing towards that whatever you want in this this world the, the hopes are that something in this world will make us happy and therefore mogha karmana vain are their efforts all the tremendous effort put into education learning earning money uh, relationships they do not give lasting peace lasting fulfillment are they totally useless no not totally useless they are like what sri ramakrishna used to call ones and one and zeros so all that people chase in this world are like zeros but if you line up a series of zeros one after another you still get zero but if you have a one then every zero adds value to it So one zero is ten, two zeros are hundred, and three zeros a thousand, and so on. And one is spirituality. I mean, in this case, Krishna would say the one is God. This was straightforward. But you can define it in whichever way you want. You define, understand spirituality. It could be self knowledge also, enlightenment also. But the one must be there. If you have the one, then all the others are they are add to the glory of the one. There's nothing wrong in. Uh, being rich or having relationships or you know uh, education and you know learning and uh, politics and art nothing wrong in it they have their place in the world but as far as we are concerned because we have we we want something we want fulfillment we want to overcome suffering we want our lives to count for something in that case the one is central and then all of that is useful but otherwise without that one moga karmana Of course, in this context, what Krishna is referring to was the ancient Vedic context. Their karma had a special meaning. The karma there meant the Vedic karma. So, what people took as conventional religion in those days was a vast rich system of ritualistic religion, the fire sacrifice, and uh, there were elaborate fire sacrifices, yagya. with priests and paraphernalia and mantras to be chanted and vows to be taken what was the point you get things which you want 
in this world, you might want wealth, you might want health, you might want a kingdom, uh, kings wanted to conquer other kings, all of that you can get in this world and much more besides, in the worlds to come after death, you go to heaven. And Krishna says here, all of that, Arjuna, which you know as religion, which you and your forefathers have practiced, Mogha Karmana, vain is your effort. Why? Is he saying that heaven doesn't exist or these fire sacrifices don't work? No, he's not saying that. What he's saying is, what you're trying to achieve by those ways will never work. Whatever you get in this world will one day perish and go away and leave you unfulfilled. I saw this cartoon. The problem with trying to add years to our life is when you are really, really old, all those years have, have come to an end. <laughs> That's somebody saying. The problem with trying to add uh, years to your life is, think about it. When you're 90 or 100, and you look back, all those years are gone now. <laughs> so, there, it all comes to an end. It's okay, but as long as I've had those, not necessarily. If it have all come to an end and I don't have anything to show for it at the end except an old, diseased, broken, suffering body, fading memory and being sort of forgotten and discarded by the world, not a good way to end. Not a good way to end. Is there an alternative? There is. There is. That's the whole point of spiritual life. In whichever religion, that's the alternative. So the higher spirituality is the alternative. Um... Mogha Karmana. Well, what about heaven? I can go to heaven after that. That's something to look forward to. But those heavens also come to an end. Krishna will say later on. Whatever you get by your fire sacrifices and all, you will go to heaven. I'm not denying the truth of religion, but that's also strictly temporary. And when it comes to an end, it comes to an end. It's all gone. So Mogha Karmana. Vain is their effort. Mogha Jnana. Vain is their knowledge. Worldly knowledge, even spiritual knowledge. That's why I brought in the Madhusudan Saraswati uh, example. This is a peculiar danger of non-dual Vedanta. Which is a knowledge system. So, the idea there is, our problem is ignorance and the solution is knowledge. You are limitless consciousness, pure being. All you need to do is just know it. That's all. That sounds pretty fast, pretty uh, effortless. It is effortless. That sounds pretty fast. Yes, it is instantaneous and effortless. Who would not want ultimate spirituality to be instantaneous and effortless? In contrast, they talk about years and years of spiritual practice and a lot of hard work. In contrast to that, just realize that you are Brahman. Just see it. Vivekananda himself says, do not seek, just see. That sounds great. Krishna warns. Mogha jnana, vain is such knowledge. Vain is such knowledge. One, one danger I pointed out, that spiritual practice, this knowledge itself, this kind of an understanding, if you don't like this kind of, uh, of Vedantic teaching, you're safe. If you're skeptical, if you like it, you're in danger. Because, there is this danger of undercutting spiritual practice, the, the motivation for spiritual practice. If I truly, truly believe there is God 
and the vision of God is my goal. I am just this person and here is this wonderful mantra given to me by Guru and I will practice this mantra thousands and thousands of times, day and night. I am motivated. But if I also believe, yes, but that's on the level of appearance, like a movie or a dream. The reality is I am pure consciousness. Then when it comes, the time comes to practice those thousands and thousands of repetitions of mantra, what happens is, this kind of knowledge, this kind of understanding of non-duality, it snaps the nerve of effort. <coughs> hmm. That sadhu said, Advaitiyo se sadhana nahi hota hai. These non-dualists, they are not no good at spiritual practice. Because the moment you start spiritual practice, it's difficult, and then you want to uh, give it up. Yeah. And there is always this temptation of giving it up because I'm Brahman anyway. Why do I need to do spiritual practice? Does Brahman, does infinite consciousness need to do meditation and repeat a mantra? What nonsense? <laughs> so more, he says, be careful. Moga jnana. Then what do you do? Then what good is that knowledge? It's good for giving YouTube talks <laughs> and classes and lectures. Yes. There is the idea in, um, in, uh, in India, there is a thing, Bharavahi, that the idea of a donkey which bears um, sandalwood. So the donkey takes sandalwood from point A to point B and delivers it and it's heavy. And all the donkey feels of the sandalwood is that it's heavy. It doesn't get the fragrance of sandalwood. And it is compared to those who know a lot, but they don't use that knowledge. It's not referring to Advaita Vedanta. It just refers to any kind of knowledge which is just information. Vivekananda said, information running riot in their brains. Yeah. Undigested or half-digested knowledge, which, is, which doesn't do any good, either to your, yourself or anybody else. What good does it do? You can teach it to others. <laughs> you can give lectures to others. And that's as bad as that donkey. Or you get something out of it. You see them all over New York. You know, you, have you seen? Uh, they go on bikes and zoom around and deliver stuff, food. And they'll, they'll arrive at your, uh, your place and give you your packet of your, your, uh, um, the food that you take out, you've ordered. And they come on, z z they zip along on bikes and they're dangerous. They can hit you. <laughs> and what do, you, what do they get out of it? Leave a tip for so-and-so delivered. How was the delivery? You'll see, you'll see on your mobile phone. And you can, he gets a tip, $1 or $2. That's what the guy gets. And that's the only good of such knowledge. So the, the, the Vedanta knowledge, if it becomes that, how sad it is. It's meant to liberate you from the sufferings of this world. It's meant to give you fulfillment and realize our true nature. If all you get is a tip, <laughs> you give a nice lecture. Are you, uh, you know, read a few books? And that's not, not, not a very good outcome. So, Mogha Jnana, he says, vain is such knowledge. And why, why are they like this? Because of their Rakshasa nature, Asura nature. So, three kinds of nature Krishna will talk about later. He's, it's going to come up a few chapters later. Daiva, the divine nature or godly nature. The Rakshasa, demonic nature. The two kinds, Rakshasas and Asura, both are, I mean, the common word for them would be demons. But um, the Asuras are tamasic and the Rakshasas are rajasic. So there are two kinds of problems, the two kinds of natures. One is um, the Asura nature, 
the commentator, this is a book, a commentary by Sridhar Swami, who lived even before Madhusudan Saraswati, so 700 years ago. He has a very simple, nice commentary in Sanskrit on the Gita. Some of you are craning your eye and look at this. Oh, so that's the one to read. No, no, no. I'm just using this today. I'll use, you'll be disappointed if you <laughs> think that this is the book to be read. There are, uh, any book will do uh, with the original text and the translation. Here, Sridhar Swami says, Tamasim himsadi prachuram asurim. So, violence and sloth and dullness, that's a, uh, um, asura, the nature. Or, ra ra uh, rakshasa, rajasim kamadarpadi bahulam, desire and arrogance, and, uh, that's another kind of nature. Both of these natures don't allow you to be spiritual. They keep us engaged in, in, in what? In worldliness. What's wrong with worldliness? Vain are the hopes, vain are the actions, vain is the knowledge there. In contrast, so this is all we had done till last time. In contrast, who are the, uh, the spiritual seekers, spiritual practitioners and what do they do? 13th verse. Mahatmanastumam partha Mahatmanastumam partha Daivim prakritim ashritaha Daivim prakritim ashritaha Bhajantyananya manaso Bhajantyananya manaso Gyatva bhutadim abhyayam Gyatva bhutadim abhyayam but the great soul ones, Mahatma, the great soul ones, spiritual seekers, they, they have the divine nature, Daivim Prakriti. And what is this divine nature? That will all be talked about later on. So, O Arjuna, O Partha, or O Arjuna, they worship me, such people worship me with one-pointed devotion, knowing me to be the cause of all beings and immutable. So, who is a Mahatma? You say, oh, Mahatma Gandhi. Yes, but Mahatma literally means, Mahan means the vast. Atma, the self. We are all the vast self, but because we tie ourselves down to little things, a little body, one little person, one little personality, we are not Mahatma then. The Mahatma is the one who realizes, I am the vast. I am one with all, or all are one with me. Who sees the self in all beings, who sees all beings in the self who feels a deep oneness with everybody and everything. That's the philosophical level. And the practical level, the Mahatma is in contrast to the rest, of, uh, the rest who are only concerned about themselves. I and mine. The Mahatma is somebody who is um, on your side. You know, he is in your gang. He's always on your side. He's a well-wisher for everybody. Not just a well-wisher, not just theoretically, but up and doing, trying to help everybody everywhere. <laughs> so this is a Mahatma. And such Mahatmas, they have this divine nature. What do they know? Three things he has said. What do they know? What's their understanding, realization? What are their minds like? And what do they do? So, knowledge. Um, in their minds, thought, their efforts. And, and the practices, what do they practice? So he says, um, 
ज्ञातवाभूतादिमव्ययम दे नो मी टू बी दि सोर्स द लॉर्ड द सोर्स ऑफ दिस यूनिवर्स द डेफिनेशन ऑफ गॉड इन ऑल रिलीजन्स वॉट्स द कॉमन डेफिनेशन ऑफ गॉड इन ऑल रिलीजन्स द क्रिएटर ऑफ दिस यूनिवर्स सो दैट्स हाउ गॉड इज डिफाइंड इन एनी रिलीजन वट्स एवर भूतादिम अव्ययम द ओरिजिनल सोर्स ऑफ ऑल भूत ऑल सेंटियन बींग्स इन वेदांत दिस फ्रेज यूज इज अभिन्न निमित्त उपादान कारण विच इज अवी संस्कृत वर्ड बट वॉट इट मीन्स इज वेन यू से क्रिएटर ऑफ द यूनिवर्स द क्रिएटर कैन बी यूज इन टू टू सेंसेस वन इज लाइक अ पॉटर क्रिएट्स पॉट्स द पॉटर इज नॉट द पॉट द मटीरियल ऑफ द पॉट इज क्ले विच द पॉटर फैशन्स इन टू अ पॉट so is god some extra cosmic being who makes this universe that's one idea of of creation of god creating this universe another idea is no no it is god and the material of this universe is also god so god is the creator like the potter but unlike the potter the material of the universe what is this universe made of that's also god there's nothing other than god so god is the creator and god fashions this universe out of god so god is transformed into this universe and the example used is that of a spider in the mundaka upanishad it is said just as a spider spins a web out of itself so does the imperishable uh, spin this universe out of itself mundaka upanishad yathornanabhi srijate grinhate cha yatha prithivyam oshadhaya sambhavanti यथा सतः पुरुषा केशलोमानी तथा क्षरा संभवती हिश्व जस्ट एज फ्रॉम अ स्पाइडर अ वेब इज स्पन द स्पाइडर स्पिन्स अ वेब आउट ऑफ इट्स सेल्फ सो स्पाइडर स्पिन्स अ वेब आउट ऑफ इट्स सेल्फ वट वुड यू मीन नोटिस देर टू एस्पेक्ट्स टू इट स्पाइडर इज अ सेंटियन बीइंग एंड द बॉडी ऑफ द स्पाइडर आउट ऑफ विच द वेब इज स्पन So the spider is not only the creator of the web, but the web is also nothing other than the spider's own body. Similarly, in Vedanta, Brahman, God, that consciousness, um, is the creator of this universe, a sentient being, an intelligence behind this universe. At the same time, what is this universe made of? What does God make this universe out of? Out of Maya, just like the spider has its own body, spins a web out of its own body. Ishwara, Bhagavan spins this universe out of Ishwara's Maya, the power of Ishwara. That's why it's called Abhinna Nimitta Padana Karana. In the one indivisible, intelligent and material cause of this universe. Intelligent cause, like the spider creating the web. Material cause, like the spider's body producing the web out of itself. So it's a lot of hard work. the little spider it spins a web with lot of hard work so is that what god does works really hard now the next example is just as herbs and trees and plants emerge from the earth yatha prithivyam oshadhaya sambhavanti effortlessly the earth is not working hard to produce plants and um, uh, herbs and shrubs it's so effortlessly oh so the earth is um is an insentient thing non living material thing so is god like that some kind of a material force big bang or something like that that's what you mean no then the next example is as hair and nails grow from a living human body another example to show how 
um, uh, hair and the nails are not living living anymore but they are being produced by a living body just like that from consciousness emerges appears this non-conscious universe from one appears the many uh, from um, limitless bliss appears this whirling mass of pleasure and pain so this is a very beautiful uh, mantra in the mundaka upanishad yathornanabhesh srijate grinhate cha as from the spider as the spider spins out and then retracts the web yatha prithivyam oshadhaya sambhavanti as herbs emerge from the vast earth yatha satah purushat keshalomani as from a human body living human body emerges hair and nails in that way tathaksharat sambhavati avishva vishvam in that way from the imperishable so no name of a god is given there akshara means the imperishable from the imperishable emerges appears this universe notice i'm saying you using different words emerges transformed appears and there is this little thing you will read closely so god produces this universe is god transformed into this universe he says avyayam unchanging vast changing universe production is change existence is continuously changing and destruction of the universe is also change and then he says god is unchanging in that case this entire universe can only be an appearance in god you know the seed of the jagat mithya the falsity of the world compared to brahman that that seed of the idea is here this is what the mahatma knows he knows this and then um what does he do bhajanti ananya manaso worships ananya with unwavering focus see here's the difference between a spiritual seeker and uh, a worldly person it's not that people people are not interested in religion once in a while somebody goes to a temple or a church once in a while somebody listens to christmas carols or bhajans and kirtans that does not make that person a spiritual seeker ananya unwavering focus a lifelong search for god and that that's just as, not just that i proclaim facebook status spiritual seeker <laughs> now what am i doing day to day is my life tuned to this search so ananya how does one do this bhajanti that means they worship me this worship it comes from bhakti love devotion gyana without bhakti this knowledge i am brahman seeking this ultimate realization without devotion is can be very deceptive if the devotion that pull that love for god is not coming there's something wrong with our gyana practices and the other way around also is dangerous devotion love bhakti without gyana can often be mere sentimentalism we are just reading today swami ranganathananda ji was the 13th president of our order uh, he joined the order under he was initiated by swami shivananda the disciple of sri ramakrishna and as a young monk so today in the morning we were reading reminiscences of swami ranganathananda ji and his reminiscences of swami shivananda so as a young monk he writes to swami shivananda saying that you know 
we we read about Sri Ramakrishna. He wept for God, and try as I might, you know, tears naturally do not come to me. And Swami Ranganath and uh, Swami Shivananda wrote back to him, "There is no need of that. Devotion, true devotion, is not sentimentality. You don't have to weep. You don't have to have tears in your eyes. That kind of outward show is not true devotion. Then what is true devotion? Patterning your life on the teachings of God." Um, practicing it in your daily life and trying to live well. Uh, live, he said, "Live a pure life. Live a life of uh, prayer, meditation, service. Doing that is real love of God. Not just crying for God. One can cry. One can be emotional and can be very worldly also. But actually transforming your life. So bhakti. But that that sweetness must be there in knowledge." In Sanskrit, the word for that is rasa. Rasa. Rasa literally means syrup. Sweet. Gravy. The syrup. That sweetness must be there along with knowledge. Here I must mention this very nice lecture I heard, I, I am hearing online, by the philosopher Arindam Chakravarti who has given a talk here. He was here a few years back. So he gave a talk recently in the Institute of Culture in Kolkata, Gol Park, and that talk was on the Bhagavatam and Swami Vivekananda's teachings on love. So Bhagavatam is the great uh, epic which talks about the incarnations of Vishnu and especially about Krishna. It's devotional, but also full of uh, spiritual knowledge. It's devotional knowledge; everything is there. So the point I'm making here is, um, he made a very nice. Um, Observation: That philosopher Arindam Chakravarti. He said, "When we study Vedanta, there are these three three foundations of Vedanta: Shruti, Smriti, Nyaya. Shruti means the revelation, Upanishads, the knowledge, the teaching of the um, of uh, of Vedanta. It is based on the Upanishads. That's called Shruti. That Shruti because it's part of the Vedas. So that's the foundation." Second, Smriti. This Bhagavad Gita is called Smriti. Smriti is that which gives us the practical advice on what you do actually. How do you do spiritual practice? The theory, the the central teaching, the insight is given by the Upanishad. The knowledge is given by the Upanishad. How do you realize it? How do you go about it in your life? Smriti. So, Bhagavad Gita is the Smriti. And then there's another text, Nyaya, the logical side of it, the rational side of it, the philosophical side of it. That's called the text is called Brahma Sutra, Brahma Sutra. So Vedanta, this is, this is common knowledge. When we study Vedanta, you have to study three things. The core of Vedanta is the Upanishads, which is called Shruti, revelation. The practical side of it is called Smriti, Bhagavad Gita, this one. And the logical, philosophical side of it. Why do we need philosophy? Somebody said very nicely, "Life makes philosophers of all of us." <laughs> so the philosophical side of it, Brahma Sutras. All right, this everybody knows. This is called Shruti Prasthana, Nyaya Prasthana, Smriti Prasthana, Nyaya Prasthana. Prasthana means foundation. Triple foundation of Vedanta: Shruti, Smriti, Nyaya. Revelation, practical side, logic or philosophy. Now, so this is common knowledge. But this philosopher, Arindam Chakravarti, for the first time, he said, "I am adding. I, 
am adding one more prasthana, one more foundation to Vedanta. It says, from now on we should regard the Bhagavatam as the rasaprasthana, as the sweet side of Vedanta, the syrup side of Vedanta. Uh, you have the insight from the Upanishads, you have practical advice from Krishna in the Gita, you have the logic in the Brahma Sutras, and you have the syrup, the sweet, the candy of the Upanishads, of Vedanta in Bhagavatam. Rasaprasthana, rasa so now four prasthanas, four foundations, not triple, but quadruple foundation, Shruti, Smriti, um, Nyaya, and Rasaprasthana, so I like that. But the point here is, there must be devotion along with knowledge. So what do they do? We will do this next time, but just let's just read this. What are the practices? The 13th verse was, who are these seekers? They are the Mahatmas. And what are the practices that they do? 14th one, we'll talk about this later, but just we'll read it today. Satatam kirtayantomam Satatam kirtayantomam Yatantascha dridhabrata Yatantascha dridhavrata Namasyantascha maam bhaktya Namasyantascha maam bhaktya Nitya yukta upasate Nitya yukta upasate Always praising me, striving with austere vows and bowing down to me with devotion Always steadfast, they worship me What do they do, the spiritual seekers? Upasate, they worship me When? Morning, once in a while, in the church, in the temple. Nitya Yukta, constantly connected to me. How? Mechanically? Somehow I have to get it done. No, Bhaktiya, with devotion, with love, the inner, with inner feeling. And what do they do? Satatam Kirtayanta. They are, they are always praising me, singing my names, chanting uh, about me, talking about me. That's one. What, that's what they do. Internally, what's their attitude? Yatantascha dhridhavrata. With, with firmness, with resolute vows. They, they are trying. They are working. They are not like, well, I am Brahman. Let's let it go. Like Madhusudan Saraswati. You know? I, am, I am a non-dualist. What's all this Krishna mantra I was doing? Oh, by the way, that reminds me. This Sunday, we have Professor Bryant coming to give a talk. He was here once years ago. If you look up our YouTube channel, one of the most popular talks in the, on the channel is by Professor Bryant. He is, um, he's of course, a world authority on the Patanjali Yoga Sutras. His book is probably the best book on the Patanjali Yoga Sutras in the market today. So Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. He gave a talk on that and the talk also, he's a very good teacher also. So it became a very um, popular talk, you can see that. But there's another side to him. He's a devotee. He's a Krishna Bhakta. He is a devotee of God, especially he is a devotee of Krishna. And his topic this time is very interesting. I don't know why he has chosen the topic. Is God real? Or is God unreal? That's the topic. Is God unreal? Is Bhagavan unreal? I don't know because maybe he thinks he's the Vedanta society and we think God is unreal or something. We don't. We don't, right? <laughs> anyway, so I'm sure he's going to mount a defense. So do come, uh, 11 o'clock on, on Sunday. Do register, of course. Are we registr doing registration? Yes. Okay, so it's open. Um, bhaktiya, with devotion. And they are yatanta, they are trying. They are making efforts. 
immediately follows it up by namasyantah and they're constantly bowing down and surrendering to God. Notice this beautiful um, synthesis of free will and surrender. Making efforts, obviously free will. Up and doing. Getting up early in the morning, sitting for meditation, uh, studying the scriptures, chanting, puja, repeating mantras, um, uh, serving people, uh, and bowing down and constantly surrendering. What are they doing? Constantly making efforts and constantly surrendering. What a beautiful combination. So we'll see this next time. I'll just tell you one thing. The Satatam Kirtendra, just in case I, I forget. Um, <coughs> continuously engaged in Kirtana. One meaning is um, singing the names of God. So our brothers in the Hare Krishna, in the ISKCON, the Bhakti Center, they do the Kirtana. That's what the meaning of Kirtana, that's the key meaning of Kirtana in Bengal. That comes from Bengal Vaishnavism. But the word Kirtana has other meanings in other parts of India. So one, one is talking about God or praising God or, uh, so, so, or chanting or doing Japa also is another way of engaging. So basically engaging a faculty of speech towards God. Whether it is singing or repeating a mantra or chanting or talking about God. Satatam, continuously. Why I'm, uh, I'm saying this is I remi I'm reminded of a monk I met um, about 16 years ago. In, uh, he has passed since. He was one of the most wonderful uh, monks I've ever seen in my life. And one of, one of the many good qualities in him was, anytime you go to him, he'll speak about God. So, he says, why? He says, that his guru told him, the moment people come to you, before they can start talking, start talk, you start talking about God. <laughs> because otherwise, they're going to start talking about the world. You know? They, and they, all the observations about the world, uh, they will have uh, money problems, they have neighbor problems, husband problems, wife, girlfriend problems, children problems, grandchildren problems. Um, they have political problems, uh, they have uh, uh, social media problems, all of that they are going to dump on you. So before they, they do that, don't give them an opportunity, don't give them an opportunity, start talking about God. And I, see, I saw that that monk used to always do that. So satatam, continuously, don't be a bore, but be careful not to talk too much about the world. What we dwell on, that will enter into our minds. Another meaning of this satatam, I, uh, just in case I forget, I'll tell you this. I remember uh, in the Himalayas, once I was living in this little cot, uh, cottage, and uh, uh, across the river there was this monk, I used to study the Ashtavakra Gita with him. So one day, in the Ashtavakra Gita, which is radically non-dual, uh, one day, the verse which we were studying had the word nirantara. Nirantara antara means break, gap. Nirantara, without break, without gap. And the monk who was teaching us, this old Swami, I still remember, he, see, you can imagine, sitting there, towering mountains, glaciers, and the river below following, uh, flowing very fast, torrentially. Uh, he said, you know, monks, he said, Mahatma Ji, I was thinking, when I'm going to, 
when you'll all come for this class, how will I explain Nirantara without a break? Then I thought, here it is in front of me. Mother Ganga is showing me how it is flowing without a break, torrentially, continuously flowing. Like that, let your thoughts of God, let your thoughts, of course, you're talking about the Atman. You're dwelling in your real nature. Let it be without a break. Let your sadhana be without a break, like that, the continuous flow of the river. Now, what happened was, late that night, I was sitting down for meditation. Um, not, I'm, uh, not to my credit, because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing else to do. You can't study, there's no electricity, and there's nobody to talk to, and there are no phones, uh, in those days at least. And it's pitch dark outside and, and cold and cold. So uh, you, you get into your room as soon as possible as the sun sets. And then you stay there until the sun rises the next day. And you can't do anything else in that room. And you can't say, what about, what about sleep? You can't sleep? You can't sleep also. Because <laughs> the climate is so bracing and nice and the food is minimal. So you're not at all hungry. I mean, you're not at all sleepy. You are, uh, and there's nothing else to do. You're a monk. You haven't been working all day long to earn money. You know, everything is taken care of. You're all alone by yourself. There's no sleep. You can't sleep. So what do you do? You sit and meditate. I was sitting and meditating. <coughs> that night particularly, I remember. I haven't forgotten now. It was 16 years ago. Um, it was unbroken. The japa would not stop. Because every time it stopped, I immediately I heard just outside the cottage the roar of the Ganga, unbroken roar. And the Japa would by itself unstoppably go on for hours and hours and hours into the late of the night. So that is Satatam. Satatam means Nirantara, without any break, without any cap. And it, I mean, it just goes to show it's not just something that, you know, to encourage us, but it's also it can happen. Unstoppably it can go on. Japa can go on. The repetition of the name. Mantra can go on unstoppably. Meditation can go on unstoppably. Swami Turiyanandaji, he says that at one point, for several months, he had no sleep. 24 hours a day. He's, he's studied in the morning and spent all night in samadhi, in meditation. Not just meditation, full samadhi. That's why they, do, they don't need sleep. We would go crazy if he didn't sleep at night. Don't try it. <laughs> All right. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastum